This is Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future-proof against rising social risk and lead the world into the energy future. Welcome to season two. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the principal of Adamantine Energy. This season, we're focusing on game-changing leadership. Our industry is facing so much disruption. It feels like it's coming in from all sides. And yet there is an opportunity, an opportunity for leadership that comes out of this. On today's show, I speak with Kevin Krausert and Brian Trudell about avatar innovations. So this is a living, breathing, game-changing vision that I cannot wait to share with you. Avatar Innovations is both wildly visionary and intensely pragmatic. And that's why we're going to uh, talk to them as the opener of this season. Because throughout uh, the season, we're going to look at how to build a bridge from vision to implementation. And my guests today will be our first guides. We'll hear about the work that they launched in November of 2020. So Avatar Innovations has three interconnected initiatives. Let me tell you a little bit about each of these. The first, the Avatar program, is a 12-week action training program. They are looking for 300 participants um, to be charged with solving and building business cases for 10 of the most pressing energy challenges in Canada. The second is the Avatar Accelerator, which will co-develop projects generated in the Avatar program into thriving businesses. And then the third is Avatar Venture, 50 million venture capital fund investing in the technologies generated from the first two. Yeah, these guys are no joke. So a little bit about our guests. Both are working full-time on Avatar Innovations since it launched in November of 2020. You may remember Kevin, uh, who joined me in season one, of the podcast. It's great to have him back on the show. He was the president and CEO of Beaver Drilling since 2017. He spent 17 years at Beaver Drilling. Um, He began in 2004, fresh out of college. Um, Kevin holds an MBA from the University of Calgary and a BS in neuroscience from McGill University. Now, Brian was executive director for CIBC Capital Markets and spent roughly 18 years at the firm in capital markets focused on oil and gas inequities. So we have a drilling guy and a finance guy. (laughs) Brian holds a Bachelor of Commerce degree from Carleton University. To learn more about the Energy Thinks podcast and our work at Adamantine, you can check out our website at energythinks.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation with um, Kevin and Brian as much as I did. And uh, particularly, we had a conversation about failure that was really game-changing for me. Now, here's our show. Brian, welcome. Kevin, welcome back. Thanks for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast. Let's start with the end in mind. We're in a global pandemic. Oil prices are depressed economic recovery is going to be a long haul and there is ever increasing pressure to decarbonize our energy system. Kevin, is there a future for the oil and gas industry? And if yes, what game changers will get us there? Yes, uh, of course, Tisha. Um, Thanks uh, for having me back. And um, yeah, no, of of course. Um, Since we've fallen into the pandemic, it's like we've fallen into this trap of determining when peak oil is gonna happen. Whether that happens in 2030, in 2040, whether it has already happened as BP is suggesting, 
it's the wrong question to be asking. The, the right, the, because regardless of which scenario you believe, we're talking about a 5% swing here uh, um, in oil demand. Um, and that it's the, it's the wrong question when you want to be thinking about strategy and when you want to be thinking about business opportunity. Oil and gas is going to be with us for a very long time. The right question to be asking is what does the future look like? Um, and if you think about it in this way, you start to understand that there's pathways to opportunity that exist inside the current market and inside all of these forces of disruption that the industry is facing. The reality is the world has decided it wants to decarbonize. That's it. The other truth is that we can't replace oil and gas. And so how do you balance these two um, contradictory statements to be able to find what the pathway forward for oil and gas is? So the first piece is, is credible pathways to net zero. In Canada here, uh, our government is, is legislating uh, mandatory pathways to net zero. That doesn't mean oil and gas will go away in, by 2050. It means that emissions will be net zero. And so the solutions that actually exist inside this, the planet's climate ambitions to decarbonize, the industries that are currently most difficult to decarbonize, the solutions exist inside oil and gas. Whether it's steel production to fertilizer production, the solutions to net zero in those industries are currently found inside oil and gas. It's hydrogen to make steel, it's carbon capture and sequestration and utilization to make um, fertilizer. There are real opportunities for growth here that the industry has an opportunity to capitalize and to leverage. Um, and the reality is, is if the if the economic growth of the oil and gas industry is not going to be coming from production growth, given the you know very you know uncertain scenarios we place for the future of oil demand, um, it's still going to be there. But the growth area is going to be on unlocking the technologies that exist inside oil and gas to deploy to the future that the planet and the investment community wants. I love that you started right away, which is actually one of the ways we started our first podcast in season one, which is we have to ask different questions. So Kevin, demonstrating your game-changing leadership right out of the gate there, which is, are we asking the right questions and looking toward the future? And I couldn't agree more that the oil and gas industry is central to a decarbonizing energy future. So Brian, welcome. You come to us from banking. Um, so that would make you the first banker or former banker, recovering banker that I've had on the podcast. Tell us about, there's so much um, interest around investor pressure, lender pressure. Um, what are they looking for from your perspective from the oil and gas industry when it comes to thinking about the energy future? Yeah, hi, hi, Tisha. Really a pleasure to be here. Um, I think quite honestly, the investment community is looking for a new way forward. Uh, I think the, the, the fact that the, the leaders in energy have, have lost their voice is a symptom of what's happening out there. It's, it's the market saying that we don't like the way you guys are approaching uh, how we've changed, how society's uh, views have changed in terms of energy transmission, generation, production. Uh, investors are asking them to find a better way to do energy in a more intelligent way. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I've witnessed firsthand this exodus from the investment community the last five or six years. And, and this is a real structural change and it's not coming back unless these large cap incumbents can show their willingness to adapt and change. And I actually think this is going to turn into a major opportunity for them. Uh, we've gone through that friction now. We've gone through that learning about one another, learning both sides of the discussion. Everyone kind of digs in a bit on their side initially, 
And we've now, I believe, moved forward. And there's been so many events that have happened this year that showcase that we're really in a position now where we can move forward. People aren't fighting anymore. It's, it's not the left versus the right the way it's been in the past. And so I think the incumbents now are starting to really understand that this could be a major opportunity for them. They are experts in production, distribution, large-scale infrastructure. The truth is we need them to be a part of this transition so that we can have a really big impact on emissions. Um, there isn't a thing on this planet that doesn't use energy. So the truth is we all have to do this together. Brian, you said something I've never heard before, which I think is a really astute observation that industry leaders have lost their voice. And so much about changing the game for oil and gas industry is regaining our mantle of leadership, a, a mantle that we've had for at least 150 years in terms of defining, creating, inventing, bringing people along into the energy future. So I, I just love um, the way that you framed that. And I, I think that that is reflective of, of um, some of the foundational disruptors happening in oil and gas right now. And I, I've been talking about three, the, um, the rise of the millennials and their different expectations about energy, um, how climate activism has really become mainstream, and then the expectations around racial equity and justice. I'm curious, um, Kevin, what you think are disruptors um, that, that are fundamental to how the oil and gas industry should be thinking about the present and the future? Yeah, I think that those are, are, are pretty accurate. I would, I would come up with maybe a, a different way of categorizing those, those ways, those themes of disruption that I'm seeing in, in oil and gas. You know, I categorize them into social, technological, and financial. And, you know, unpacking each of those a little bit, you know, social is that, you know, the, you know, society and the political structures um, are having much different expectations for the energy sector moving forward. And they are demanding that we be a part of the transition. And at least in Canada, you know, supporting, you know, a broad swaths of policies and regulations from our governments to make, to ensure that these companies move in this direction. Um, and then, you know, I think in the technological front, um, there's been, you know, wild advancements, you know, uh, the cost of renewable energy now competes uh, with oil and gas uh, without subsidies. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of even technological disruptions, you know, inside of, inside of ourselves that, you know, long reach horizontal drilling um, in the shale plays um, drop the price of price of oil, like technology is disrupting markets and we can't think that the energy system and market we operate in is going to be static because this technology is impacting it quickly. And then I think thirdly, financial, um, you know, Brian was just alluding to it that, you know, the, the financial markets and the institutional investors um, have much different expectations around how capital should be deployed and the, 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 the returns that they're expecting from it. And if I could add to that, you know, I think to add what Kevin said here, that it's that loss of access to capital, right? And the incumbents have, have just been, uh, that access has been removed and it's been given to these startups, it's been given to the renewable space, it's been given to these mobility players who are trading at these insane valuations uh, with really little behind it uh, to, to show. But it's, it's this concept that the market wants to invest in something better, something forward-looking, something with a lot of growth. And I think once the community, the investment community believes that the incumbents are ready to go on this journey, I believe they will return to having that cost of capital because the truth is they're experts in this 
And they just need to reconvince the world that they are on side with this plan and on side with this vision. And I think there's, I think it's going to be their decade to really shine. Mm, that's so, that's so interesting. And let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper on that. Um, maybe Kevin, can you walk us through how Avatar Innovations is taking on the technology piece in particular? A lot, a lot of what we want to focus on this season is how we go from visionary to pragmatic. So can you walk us through the role you guys, you guys have taken this leap, this crazy leap, I might add. So well, how do you see your, yourselves filling in this space? Yeah, I, I'll build on Brian's point in the sense that, you know, the the financial access to capital in oil and gas is, is a major challenge right now. And the reality of the situation is um, the solutions that exist to climate change exist inside oil and gas. All of the large cap companies in Canada, or at least the vast majority of them, have all committed to getting to net zero life cycle emissions by 2050. Yet they're in this catch 22 where if they divert a cent of cash flow to anything other than debt repayment or share buybacks, the markets are less than kind to them. Or conversely, they take their investment dollars and return from something that's on a typical oil and gas return economic modeling into a renewable economic modeling and the returns aren't there kind of historically. But then there's all of this capital in the, in the clean tech space that needs to be investing in this stuff. So it's, it's a catch 22. And what we're trying to do with Avatar is provide a full life cycle accelerator and capital arm to actually unlock these technologies and build a new energy future. You know, I think, as you mentioned, there's, you know, three interconnected structures, the Avatar program, which has been, you know, running for several years now, which is a collaboration between the University of Calgary, oil and gas industry and the aerospace industries really to ideate and empower young professionals to not just sit and learn, but actually go and create solutions and build business cases um, for these types of projects. And then secondarily, the accelerator, we're calling it an accelerator, but it's more of a co-development space that the accelerator model that works very well in Silicon Valley does not work very well in oil and gas. Cause you go from, you know, in the Silicon Valley model, you go from three kids with some great code in a basement over a weekend in a, in a case of Red Bull, come up with a product, get a hundred grand of angel investing from their family, do a series A, do a series B, sell to Google. The challenge with a lot of these transition initiatives in outside oil and gas is you go from fantastic idea to needing $500 million very quickly. So we're designed alongside the University of Calgary and industry, what a co-development model really looks like. So rather than the typical model where a large cap comes up with some fantastic innovation idea, throws 40 people at it, six VPs, and then go through a, a very long process oriented structure. And then three years later, maybe have something, maybe don't. Um, we're taking a co-development approach where you take the different key stakeholders inside of a large cap, whether it's engineering, whether it's supply chain, working with critical vendors and critical stakeholders and working under an NDA to co-develop these under over a 12 week sprint to see if there's an investable opportunity. And if there is an investable opportunity, Avatar Ventures is in a unique position to access new sources of capital to be able to accelerate these. And if they didn't, we can kill it after 12 weeks. The large caps haven't spent a whole lot of money and their employees got a fantastic development opportunity and let's try it again. It's about creating this safe third space inside oil and gas because of we're a highly process oriented, highly safety conscious, highly capital intensive industry for very good reason. So we have to create a new space to be able to accelerate these types of innovations and these types of challenges. 
That's, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, add to yeah, that. yeah. If I could add, so uh, you know, to say it in a different way, the Avatar Innovations ecosystem, the three pillars, are really a way to de-risk the startup business model, and that's what doesn't exist out there, and that's what the energy tech sector needs is an ability to come off the big platforms, come out of these big companies where there are certain challenges to getting innovation off the ground, collaborate with us, get things done, fail fast, move forward, and you know, we're really trying to do it where we de-risk the process and then we're in a position to capitalize it. We're trying to fill in multiple gaps in the innovation ecosystem here. I, I really love that. And can, can you um, maybe Kevin uh, explain a little bit more how the existing companies will play within this ecosystem? Um, because uh, I imagine that a traditional barrier to innovate to, to new firms, to startup firms, is just getting a, a partner where they can test at lab scale or field scale. So what's their, their role in this? Yeah, so that's the, I think, the unique structure of, of Avatar. So actually, inside the Avatar program, where the young professionals work through a learning journey and build new business cases, the, that we're going to be taking 300 young professionals from industry into um, they work themselves at the large caps. And so they, they're already on the inside of these companies and understand if the product is needed, if the innovation is workable, if it's solvable, if it's implementable, where the pain point is going to be inside the organization. So by having 300 young professionals from these oil and gas companies themselves, you know, working, I think right now we're at 10 or 12 oil, large cap oil or large and medium cap oil and gas companies alongside tech companies, they're already on the inside of these companies working. So then if they come up with an idea that is implementable, then through the accelerator model, the large caps are capable, are capable of sponsoring these projects, throwing them under an NDA to kind of co-develop it. And then, uh, you know, if the sponsors invest in the, the venture capital fund, then they don't just have access to a new type of technology that's been de-risked and implementable. They also have access to um, a, to generate a return from the implementation of that. Mm, so interesting and clever. Really, I can't wait to can't wait to hear how it rolls out, and can't wait to hear what doesn't work out the way you thought. So we'll have you back once you're farther down down. Um, the process. So it sounds like there's a there's a ton of engagement with young professionals. Brian, talk a little bit about um, what what are you hoping to instill in these leaders that's different than what they would learn in a business as usual uh, work environment. I think the key is saying that there is a way out of here. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, I, a lot of times we go through our careers and we, we get stuck in certain places and it's all that we know and, and we're not sure what lies around the corner. And the oil and gas industry and, and Calgary or Alberta in particular, you know, it's just, it's always been about oil and gas and it's, it's what most of the individuals know there. And it's really hard to see around that corner. And what we're trying to do is provide a way, an outlet, come join us, come innovate with us. We'll provide that safe third space. There is uh, a light at the end of this tunnel where there's there's better days ahead, right? And I think the key point that uh, a lot of people miss, and, and I certainly did until recently, was the world's energy needs have always been changing, right? It's always been different. It's always been evolving. This is just the next iteration of it. And it started with wood, and then it was dung, and then it was whale oil, and then we had coal, and then we had oil. Now, now we're going towards hydrogen. Now we're going towards uh, energy tech uh, 
technologies such as like carbon capture, long duration storage, bitumen beyond combustion. There, you know, we're going to find new ways. There are solutions out there. We just have to have the right mechanisms in place to create them and get them off the ground. And Avatar Innovations is trying to provide that platform to really move forward and, and look around that corner. And I think that I want to I build on that point, especially instilling in the, the young professionals and, and as they emerge in their leadership stories in the sense that it's really a kind of critical piece of this. And you, you, we get these brilliantly talented um, young professionals that come out of a, a highly disciplined and technical research field and then come to work in an industry that is very capital intensive, very safety conscious, very process driven for very good reason. And so how do we take that creativity and that instillation, create a safe third space? Um, if you look at all the metrics on around humanity's greatest uh, scientific and engineering accomplishments, whether that's the Apollo project or the Manhattan project, you look at all the average age of all the scientists and all the engineers that are working on it, and it's like 28 to 32. Um, there is a real kind of special magic sauce that has this ability inside these individuals. So by able to, if you look at those two examples, they were provided the structures and the opportunity to go and create and boy, did they deliver. So can we create that safe third space that exists that we need in oil and gas to unleash this, these, these 300 uh, very talented young professionals to accomplish something bold? We will be back to the Energy Thinks podcast momentarily, but if you work in the oil and gas industry, you understand that we are facing a massive set of disruptions that are unprecedented in our lifetimes. This pandemic has upended the world in which we operated. How can oil and gas leaders face these disruptions in ways that aren't just reactive, but proactive? Tisha Schuler's new book, The Game Changers Playbook, How Oil and Gas Leaders Thrive in an Era of Continuous Disruption, is that guide for oil and gas leaders who want to make sense of this moment and chart a better path ahead. Order your copy today at energythinks.com backslash game changer. And now back to the show. I've seen intense interest to what you all are doing. Um, I'm interested, Kevin, to hear when you talk to maybe executives at some of these large traditional companies, what are they telling you they're excited about in this or, or what they're afraid of in this? Um, you know, what kind of respo response are you getting? Mm -hmm. I think uh, three uh, big things. You know, I'd say first and foremost, yeah, Canada um, has been you know, I think probably ahead of the curve on the climate change versus oil and gas narrative um, over the past four years, a little bit ahead of America on this. Um, and so in that debate where we had a federal government implementing a number of uh, punitive measures, frankly, um, on the oil and gas sector, attempting to encourage it to transition, um, that there somehow this emergence of this us versus them dynamic has emerged in Canada of either for oil and gas or against oil and gas. So I think the three big areas of excitement, there's been three big areas of excitement uh, around Avatar from the large cap oil and gas companies. And um, one of the big areas is that the Canada, Canada, I think, is a little bit ahead of the U.S. in terms of the climate change versus 
oil and gas narrative. You know, four years ago, five years ago, um, a government was elected in Canada that had very aggressive climate ambitions and um, implemented, frankly, a number of punitive measures on the oil and gas sector to help it transition into, or to encourage it to transition and to encourage it to decarbonize. And this very, um, you know, um, uh, you know, conflict, a lot of conflict developed between this dynamic of either for oil and gas or you have either against oil and gas. And so what the excitement I think has really been, and I think why there's been so much media interest, is it's really demonstrating this shift that oil and gas is part of the solution. And that's a much different narrative to those Canadians who exist in perhaps areas of the country that are not energy producing and see oil and gas as part of the problem. And what we're saying is no, actually we're part of the solution and we're going to be able to deliver it. Um, so I think that shifting the narrative is one of the reasons that the C-suites of the large caps are so excited. Secondarily, I think one of the big areas of excitement is empowering professionals. Um, you know, actually, not, let's just not sit around and talk endlessly about the challenge of our, challenges of our industry. Let's go and do it. Let's go and solve it. Um, and then I think thirdly, it was really figuring out a way to unlock new sources of capital to be able to create this opportunity for the oil and gas sector. Mm, absolutely. Um, and, and some of these examples from Alberta are really relevant to the U.S. right now, where we see even in, in oil and gas strongholds like Texas, the same pressures both from, uh, from federal regulation to future likely state regulation and from investors as well. So Brian, let me, what, let me give you a chance to tell us how are investors reacting? Is this the kind of paradigm shift that might bring in, investors back into oil and gas? Yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Let's start a little bit smaller, Tisha. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, is, is another one of these gaps that we're addressing that we've recognized here is there's a lot of capital available for energy tech, we've realized, but it's more on the infrastructure side. But additionally, it's also more at the like 15 million, $25 million investment size. Uh, lots of checks are ready and willing to be put to work at that level, but that's not where innovation's happening. And the, the individuals, the startups looking for that one to $5 million check to get them across that value of depth, to allow them to uh, work on the prototype, work in the lab to develop their idea, work with a customer. They're just, there's not a lot of support there. And I think that's what's got a lot of individuals and investors excited about what Avatar is working on because we're trying to create that snack bracket that is de-risked in an intelligent problem-driven innovation format, right? We're not just we're talking about, you know, what's, what's, on, uh, what's available, who out there is innovating. We're gonna go and try to work, we are gonna work within industry. They're the ones who are best suited to know their challenges. They're the ones who are gonna have the opportunity to work on them. And so these larger investors are excited to partner with us because we're gonna be their funnel to get them those really good, strong companies that they, I believe, feel are, are lacking. There's just not enough really exciting energy tech stories out there, certainly in Canada at this time. Uh, at this time. And so I, I think that's one of the most interesting uh, aspects happening right now. 
Mm, I love it. Um, just this is just takes on so much of the disruption underway, um, which will bring me to our, our third disruptor, which is expectations that are shifting and uh, for racial equity and justice in a way that will be enduring and is creates opportunity for leadership uh, within the oil and gas industry. How, um, Kevin, how's the Avatar uh, Innovations uh, effort thinking about attracting, retaining the best and brightest and, and creating a diverse and inclusive uh, environment within the oil and gas industry? Yeah, so this is probably the, the, the most difficult, but perhaps one of the most important questions uh, you've asked. Um, I think looking at the history of innovation from the perspective of, from the lens of diversity and inclusion, is if you want to get the same answer you got before, put the same people to work. If you want to get the same answer to this problem you were working on, put this people who created the solution in charge of it. So diversity, and there's a bunch of research that supports this, you know, by putting a diverse group of people from different backgrounds, different, different insights onto work on a problem, the, the pathway to innovation is, is so much faster. Um, the real question is how you um, create a structure of support and where people feel included so that people can be honest about their backgrounds and honest about the ways that they are different, either from a racial or a gender or a sexual kind of background. And so we've developed some pretty um, strong diver diversity metrics to kind of be um, including, um, <clears throat> especially around engagement with Indigenous peoples. Um, in Canada, um, we have uh, a long history with Indigenous peoples and the development of resources in remote communities of Canada is the single largest driver of economic activity for Indigenous communities to bring them out of poverty. Um, just last week, our federal government legislated the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples um, and bringing in those types of conversations. And, and they're sometimes very difficult. Um, they're sometimes very difficult for people to understand. Um, and they're sometimes very difficult to ensure that you go about it in a way that is respectful, in a way that includes people and moves on, but it's um, not going away. Um, it's important. I think there's benefits to it, um, but it's going to require a little bit of humility and the ability of listening um, for leaders in oil and gas that really want to ensure that we're part of the future. I couldn't agree more. This is a journey we will always be on and we will always have more to do and it presents tremendous opportunity for our industry um, going forward. Um, what, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about with the game changing is how leaders can turn to their values and use those values as they innovate disruption themselves. So um, Kevin, I, I, I wanna ask you, how did 2020 test you? Um, have you had to re-articulate, rethink about your values or have you um, doubled down on, on where you started? Where, where does values fall into your thinking? Um, uh, yes, the 2020 certainly did test, I think, uh, everyone to uh, the, the nth degree. Um, and the ways, 
you know, if I, I think that there were some values I doubled down on and there were some values um, I had to evaluate and come up with some new strategies. You know, if the biggest values of my life are really, you know, courage, compassion, creativity and inclusivity. And I think more than ever, did boy, did I need courage to face this unquestionable disruption, um, compassion to have the patience for those who've undergone some incredible hardships this year, and also compassion for those who long for a return to the past in the industry, um, and um, creativity and, and, and performance became to do something as bold as we did. Um, I think 2020 on the inclusion front, I think I learned I was perhaps trusting some people a little too easily um, and have realized that real inclusion requires trust um, and you have to build that trust in uh, a slow and, and measured pace. Um, and uh, it's, ex it's exciting, um, but I think that it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, I'd say on both. Mm, thank you. And I, uh, I think Kevin. I'd add for Ke I think I'd add for Kevin, his career move this year was a great example of someone, an individual in a leadership role, doubling down on his vision and his passion. Yeah, I didn't think you could get any crazier, Kevin, but then you did this. <laughs> and I'm so grateful on behalf of our industry. Um, Brian, let me, um, I'll give you a chance. You're, you are welcome to opine on your um, values, but let me add a twist because earlier you talked about failing fast and, and moving mm. forward. And because our industry is on such a knife's edge, you know, we just have so much pressure, so many disruptors. I think many leaders feel like they can't afford to fail. Um, so I'm curious about um, how you think about failure in, in the, what you guys are taking on and where it fits in and how we have some game changers that will transform our industry. Yeah, you bet. I, I think failing fast is, is exactly what we're working towards here. You know, you know, the clock is ticking. There's a lot going on out there in the world, uh, especially in Canada. I think we're falling a little bit behind on the innovation side and we want to be part of a process that works. And so how do things work? We got to fail fast. We have to learn from what went wrong and then move forward. And that's what the Avatar Innovations Platform is trying to do. A lot of this innovation that ends up staying within these big companies, as we've alluded to, it just, it takes too long. There's too many committees. There's too much approval. It has to get vetted by compliance. And at the end of three years, you've spent way more money than you wanted to. And you end up getting a no answer, which you probably saw, you know, several months in, but it just has to run its course. And so we really want to create this platform where you fail fast. The truth is we're literally talking about rewiring the way the world powers itself. There's going to be all kinds of failure uh, and that's part of the process. Uh, but that's what we're trying to also uh, provide that safety net, provide that um, platform where things can occur quickly, learn, move on. This is really updating my thinking in real time as, as all overachievers, I hate to fail. Uh, so the idea of embracing fast failure as a, uh, a component of your leadership mm -hmm. and execution strategy is so dynamic and also takes, in some ways it reduces the risk because it's like, that's what you're supposed mm -hmm. to do. You're supposed to keep going. Yeah, and, and I, I want to I build on that as well, too, mm -hmm. in the sense that it's failure is obviously this kind of hard aspect, but it's, it's, a, it's a critical component to innovation. And the two, secret, two secrets I think that really exist to it is, first of all, creating that space where you allow each other the trust to, to fail. 
Um, and, you know, whether it's an oil and gas where we have, you know, highly, you know, safety critical operations, you know, how do you, how do you ring fence that out so you can um, create that space? And then what I was talking about earlier in terms of inclusion of really being cognizant and aware of how you build trust um, with the parties that you work with so that when you can fail fast, you work with people that you trust to um, outline that and have your and have your back to be able to do that. Trust is, I'd say, probably the most critical element um, in the innovation process because it enables that level of, of failure. Mm, that is also updating my thinking in real time, this important parallel of having to have trust to have the safety net within which to fail. Well, and I think that's the that's one of the challenges of oil and gas right now is that, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, with the collapse in commodity prices inside 2020, we recognize, first of all, that we have to innovate so much faster, but then also secondarily, you know, at least in Canada, you know, some pretty large and massive layoffs. So who wants to be the person to put their hand up and say, oh, well, I'm going to try something with a reasonable degree of probability of failure. Um, and that's what I think what we're trying to do with Avatar is create that safe third space where people walk, can walk into a space of trust and build that trust. Because mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, they're not going to, it's not going to cost, you know, it's not going to be a $10 million screw up. Um, it'll be, you know, okay, let's have their next meeting and we'll reevaluate and we'll repivot. Really nice um, component of our listeners to think about in their leadership strategy is how to to um, underpin a lot of this disruption work with trust among the team and trust in their leadership. Really nice. So we're going to um, pivot into some um, closer to rapid fire, although I really want to draw out your thoughts. Three final questions for each of you on, on how you're thinking about the next year. So Brian, I'll start with you. Um, speaking very pragmatically, what game-changing efforts are you focused on for yourself um, and people you work with directly uh, in 2020? 21. Uh, well, I've come from a big organization uh, as well the last 20 years. And so this is a personal development journey for me as well, being in a leadership role now working with Kevin, and we have a great group uh, helping us out uh, through the avatar ecosystem, a lot of volunteers, a lot of individuals at these big companies that are also driven passionate individuals, and they're looking towards uh, to, to us for leadership. And uh, also just for, you know, a path forward and what, what, what makes sense in the world. The, the, some of the feedback we've gotten is this real crisis of confidence from the youth and in the industry that they're in. And it's quite different than it was 10 years ago when a lot of them joined the oil and gas business. It feels very different today than it did then. And so there's so much creative talent in Alberta and I'm sure in, in other parts uh, of the oil and gas industry globally where these individuals, they just want to start to work on bigger problems that have bigger meaning and bigger solutions. And uh, so for me, it's being part of that leadership in that, uh, being part of the Avatar Innovations ecosystem, working with Kevin and, and just get, learning some skills for myself and, and, and growing as an individual and, and really being part of that new energy future. That's a lot. And you probably have Sorry. to fix your own computer. You probably have to fix yeah. your own computer. Yeah, that's right. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> so you just take on the whole, you know, crisis of confidence and your computer IT at the same time. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kevin, what about you? What are you focusing on in a pragmatic sense for, um, for yourself in 2021? I was uh, I was hoping Brian could uh, tackle that one, even though I had all this time to think about an answer on that one. Um, <laughs> I think it's um, uh, being able to to adjust and adapt on the fly, uh, you know, so much so much faster. 
you know, in my previous executive roles um, in energy services companies, um, you know, these were, you know, highly capital intensive businesses and um, really understood the value, but really also understood the value of, of process. And so I think for me, it's, it's adaptability and agility to be able to pivot uh, very, very quickly on a strategy and to be able to re-articulate the business proposition very quickly. Mm, very important. Who knows what 2021 has in store for us. Uh, for each of you, um, what are you most excited about or looking forward to, Brian? In the next year or just going forward? As you wish. <laughs> uh, like for me, what really gets me excited outside of all of these great things we're talking about is, is really being part uh, and being in the direction of being part of a, an energy champion, an energy unicorn in Canada, a company that we've helped foster, that we've helped either uh, incubate or get off the ground, capitalize in an early round and eventually, you know, take to market uh, something that a company or a business that's seen as a global leader and how energy is thought of and distributed and used. Uh, hopefully it's something we haven't even thought of yet. You know, I've kind of got a personal uh, time frame in my mind of 10 years from now, 2030 is kind of a target where I'd love for us to have been part of a very successful Canadian champion, uh, much like the Ballard Powers of the world or, or something big and, and, and impactful like that. Oh, I love that. That got my heart racing that we might, <laughs> we might be having a conversation right now that will lead to the energy unicorn. Yeah, um, I love exactly. it. Um, so Kevin, take us home. Our last, um, last comment for the podcast today. What are you looking forward to? That one's, I think, much easier than the last one. Um, but I think Brian articulated it well, and I'm certainly very excited about that. But I think one thing I'm personally very excited about is working with these incoming 300 avatars um, in the program starting on January 15th. Um, you know, the, we've gone from 16 in the first version to 54 in the second version to 300 in this version. This is real exponential growth. And if I look at the stories and the talent and the experience of the previous um, Avatar graduates, um, I know the magic and the capability that they're um, uh, going to uncover. And I can't wait to meet every single one of them and work with them. Oh, I can't wait to see what comes out of this. So uh, maybe I could add one other uh, <laughs> uh, vision or hope. And, you know, one of the things that a, a lot of individuals have been asking is what makes us different from a typical venture capital firm uh, or a typical, a typical capital fund, venture capital fund. And I think, you know, one way to think of it is I'm going to use a really old analogy, but one of our partners gave this reference and I thought it was genius. You know, a lot of the community right now, it's, the analogy is it's 3 a.m. You wake up in the middle of the night and you go and you watch TV. It's that 20 years ago analogy where there, you just you were subject to what was available on TV. And I think that's what a lot of the ecosystem is like right now. We're really trying to be the Netflix of energy, right? We are going to create our own content. We are working with industry inside of industry, really problem-driven innovation where we're creating businesses that already have a buyer in hand and are going to be in a position to be capitalized. And I, I think that doesn't exist right now in the world. And I think that's what's going to set us up for some great success. Oh, that's certainly a lot to look forward to. And for our listeners, when we celebrate the unicorns that come out of mm -hmm. this extraordinary effort, you'll think, I heard a podcast about that <laughs> way back when it was just this crazy idea. So mm -hmm. Brian, Kevin, it's just been a joy to have this conversation with you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for tending to our really, really important millennial workforce. Uh, and thank you for leading into the energy future. Our pleasure. Thank great. you. Thanks for having me.
That's our episode for today. Thanks to Kevin Krausert and Brian Trudell for taking the time to share their insights with us. Do you know what was a game-changing insight for me? I mentioned it in the uh, introduction, but the role of failure, um, I'm really going to be thinking about that differently going forward. I am also uh, intrigued by this idea of asking the wrong questions and making sure that we're asking novel questions going forward. I'd like to know what you found interesting, what maybe changed your thinking in real time today. So please uh, reach out to us at energythinks.com slash podcast. You can subscribe um, to this podcast um, on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please take a second and rate us. Thank you for listening to the Energy Thinks podcast. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler, wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.